Good morning and welcome to our worship service this morning. I want to welcome all of you that are here today and also those listening on radio and those watching us live on Facebook. I have several announcements before I start our service. I'm sure you're all aware of who was playing the organ this morning. We want to welcome back Connie O'Neill. Thank you, Connie, for a great job with the prelude this morning. Uh, the rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Roger and Sandy Hosher, who is celebrating 53 years of marriage on Wednesday, September 30th. And next Sunday is a safety plan information meeting after church. There is more information in the bulletin, and there will also be a summary in the upcoming newsletter. That's it for our announcements. I encourage you to take time to look the rest of them over. And now to start our service this morning, you please rise and join me in our call to worship. This morning is taken from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Please remain standing for opening hymn number four, How Great Thou Art.
it. It's nice to sing from the hymnals again this morning, wasn't it? Uh, this time I want to invite forward Shelby Rohrbaugh for children's chat. Are there any children that are here this morning that would like to come up and join her? I invite you to do so at this time. Uh, I invite you to keep your distance and try to spread out as best you can up here on the steps. But we'd love to have you up here for children's chat at this time. As they're making their way down too, I know we, one of the things that we've also been missing this pandemic season is the, is the no, greet your neighbor time. So in lieu of getting up or in shaking hands, as the kids come forward, why don't you take a moment, just turn around and wave at someone next to you and say hi as the kids are coming forward for children's chat. Good morning, everyone. How are you all? Good, 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 good. Do you guys remember what we talked about last week? We talked about being smart and making wise decisions, right? Today, we're going to talk about fear. What does it mean to be afraid? Scared? What's something that you guys are scared of? What, Reagan? The dark? Me too. What else are you guys afraid of? Um, my brother would beat me. I, um, 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 I want um, uh, to be scared. Yeah, your grandma taught you to not be scared. Yeah. That's a great lesson. Great job, grandma. Um, what are the, some other things that you guys can, or that are you are afraid of? I don't like cats. I hate cats. I, I, I like cats. You like cats? Yeah. Good job. What about, is anybody scared of spiders? No. No? What about heights? I, 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 I think it's spiders. You, yeah, you like, you're scared of spiders? You don't like them? What about heights? Anybody like being up really tall? What about being alone? Does anybody, I don't like being alone. No? How does it make you I, feel? I, I like being tall. Yeah, you like being tall? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, how does it make you feel when you're scared? When you're scared of spiders or when you're scared of maybe cats or the dark? We don't like those things. How does it make you feel? What, Courtney? Nervous? Yeah? Scared? What about worried? Do what? Screaming for help? Asking for help when you're scared, you don't know what to do? You kind of ask somebody for help. In today's Bible lesson, we're going to be talking about fear, but it's actually not a bad fear. It's actually a really good fear. And today, when somebody says, fear God, it's not being afraid of God, but actually having respect for God, which respect might be a big word for some of you guys, but it means to listen to God, and it means to obey God. So, what do you do to obey, like say your mom and dad, what does your mom and dad ask you to do, and you listen and obey them? Go play. Some of my older kids who are in school. Did your mom and dad say, get your homework done? 
Yep. Yep. What about go do your chores? Can you help mom and dad go do your chores and like pick up the dishes and go vacuum or go make your beds, go pick up your toys, do chores? Yeah. Yeah. What about being kind to your brother and sister? Do you guys have you heard that one? Yeah. You know, oh, you're picking on your brother or sister. Well, mom tells you or dad tells you, you need to be kind to your brother and sister. Yeah? Just like we listen to our moms and our dads, we have a heavenly father that we need to also listen to and obey. What are some things that we can do with God or for God to listen and obey him? What about what you guys are doing right now, coming to church? Yeah? You're listening and you're hearing about God by coming here to uh, children's chat. We sing praises and we worship for God. We go to Sunday school. What about praying? Can we listen and obey God by praying? Because that's like talking to him, just like we talk to our moms and dads. Through prayer, we can obey and listen to God. But you know what? Through prayer, we can also ask God for help. So you know when you said your sister, you scream out for help, or somebody to come help you? We can also pray and ask God for help. And through that, he helps us listen and obey and respect him through prayer because he's always with us, right? Can we pray anywhere? In our Sunday school class, we talk about how we can pray anywhere. We can pray anytime. doesn't matter if we're at the grocery store or our babysitter. doesn't matter. We can always be talking to God and praying. So when we fear God, we listen, we obey, and we respect what God says to us and how God's in our lives. So can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for today. We thank you for this beautiful sunrise and for changing of the colors of the season into fall, for our families and for you being present in our lives. Lord, help us fear, meaning respect you, and live our lives in design for mirror of yours. Give us wisdom this week and in our lives to do the right things and to love your children, who are our sisters and brothers in Christ. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, thank you. Thank you, Shelby. You kids can go back and find your seats again. I'm always amazed how my children manage to find the microphone or sit next to the microphone during these children's chat. One of these days they're going to say something. Um, all right, at this time, I'm going to invite forward Adam Rohrbaugh. Uh, he's got some special music for us this morning. Thanks, Adam, for helping out this morning.
out on the open sea. By faith alone, sight unknown, and yet his eyes were watching me. The anchor holds. Though the shield is battered, the anchor holds. Though the sails are torn, I have fallen on my knees as I face. The raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I've had visions and I've had dreams. I've even held them in my hands, but I never knew that they could slip right through, like they were only grain. Sands. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I face the raging seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I have been young, but I'm older now. That these eyes have seen, but it was in the night, through all the storms of my life. Oh, that's where God proved His love for me. 
anchor holds Though the ship is battered The anchor holds Though my sails are torn For I have fallen on my knees As I face the raging seas The anchor holds In spite of the storm I have fallen on my knees As I face the raging seas The anchor holds Thank you, Adam. Great song and great message for us this morning as well. As we turn to the Lord in prayer this morning, there's a few few more things I want to highlight for you. Just a reminder that next week, uh, excuse me, two weeks, pardon me, two weeks, October 11th is our fall picnic at the park. Uh, we're ha- going to looking forward to a time of uh, food and fellowship uh, and enjoying each other's company down at uh, the New Knoxville Park. The time is from noon to 1.30. Uh, I encourage you to, uh, you know, invite friends, be a part of this. But we are asking if you are planning on being there, uh, please let us know so we can plan appropriately for the amount of food and everything. So there is a sign-up sheet at the Info Center. You can also call us at the office or send an email in. You can let us know. But if you are planning on being there and you can give us a heads up, that will help us in the planning of the food for that day. Uh, We're also looking for a few people to help serve and set things up as well. So if you're able to help in that capacity, you can mark that down on the sign-up sheet too. But all are welcome, all are invited uh, to join us for that time on October 11th. It'll be a great opportunity to to get get together and enjoy each other's company. Also a note, uh, for next week, October 4th, is our next opportunity to serve communion. Uh, And we are going to do things a little bit differently next week, and I wanted to give you all a little bit of a heads up. As you know, since the start of the pandemic, we've been using those prepackaged communion elements, and you've been picking them up at the door as you enter in. Uh, Depending on how you view those things, uh, we are just about out of them. So that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you like to those. But we are going to be serving communion next week uh, at the altar. We've done this before a couple times, uh, so I just want to remind you of what that means. At the time of communion, uh, at the end of the service, we'll, we'll, I'll give my usual uh, talk about the significance of communion, invite you all to prepare your hearts and your minds to receive the elements, and then I'll invite you to come forward uh, down the center aisle and receive the elements. The elders, as well as Pastor Tori, are going to be helping, helping serve that day. But instead of take, coming up and taking the cup and taking the bread out of the tray, we will hand them to you individually so that you can take the elements back to your seats and then partake in them as you feel led to do so. So just a reminder, it's, it's, a, it's one step back to normalcy uh, next week. Uh, so we are going to be having communion and we are going to be inviting you to come forward. As always, if you're not able to or do not 
desire to come forward, and, but you would like to receive communion, there will be a pair of elders that will be uh, circulating around the sanctuary to deliver communion. So just kind of try to let them know. And I'll be reminding you all of that next week. But we want to uh, give you all a heads up that we will be serving communion next week, and it will be a little different than we've been doing it these last few months. With that in mind, let's continue to, to worship the Lord together now uh, through prayer. As we do so this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer for the family of Vernon Feldwich, uh, who entered into Christ's care on Monday, September 21st. Uh, he was 94 years old, and he received Christian burial at Pilgrim Cemetery yesterday, September 26th, 2020. So please be in prayer for Joanne and David and Diane and their entire family as they mourn the loss of, their, of a dearly loved individual. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now at this time. Father God, we thank you so much for, for your blessings. We thank you for your grace, which is multiplied each and every day. And we thank you, Lord, that even in hard moments, we know that you are with us and that you are our good shepherd who guides us each step of the way. We do pray for Joanne and David and Diane and their family. We pray that you would be a source of comfort and strength for them during this difficult time. And we thank you for Vernon and thank you for his life and his faith in you. And most importantly, Lord, your love for him and for all of your people. Lord, we also pray this day and think especially for those in in nursing homes and our shut-ins. This has been an especially difficult few months for them in particular. And so we ask for your grace to be with them as well, that your spirit would guide them. That I know many of them are able to listen in on the radio uh, to our broadcast. And so I thank you, Lord, for that connection and pray, Lord, that, that those that are listening, that hear the sound of my voice now would be encouraged and know, Lord, that they are not alone and that you are always, always with them. Lord Jesus, you promise to be with your people always to the very end of the age. And it's that hope and that promise that we hold on to, especially when we are lonely and discouraged. Lord, I also want to lift up our Sunday school teachers and helpers and volunteers, Lord. We are so grateful for them. And, and we, Lord, we thank you for an amazing start to Sunday school last week and look forward to today and the weeks to come. We thank you for their, their willingness to serve you by serving the children of this church. And, Lord, I, I was so encouraged this week of hearing reports of how much uh, the kids loved being back in class and all that they learned with the new curriculum. So we thank you, Lord, for your provision and ask for your continued guidance as we hope to be able to continue having Sunday school, Lord, moving forward. Lord, we thank you for for watching over us, and we ask that your spirit would guide us as a church as well as a whole. Thank you for uh, the the leaders that are here, our elders, our trustees, our deacons, and, and Lord, all those who volunteer their time to serve you by serving this church. We thank you for their wisdom and their guidance and their leadership. And as we continue to navigate, Lord, Uh, This pandemic, we ask for your spirit to guide us each step of the way. Lord, we pray all these things according to to your will and according to your grace. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you at this time, if you're able, to stand with us and sing our next song, number 42 in your blue hymnal, Seek Ye First.
What a great promise we have from the Lord that, that if we seek Him, put Him first, He'll provide all that we need. It's a good reminder as we go to Him in prayer. I invite you now to open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 9 for our scripture reading today. If you don't have a Bible with you or don't have access to one on your phone or tablet, I invite you to also follow along in your bulletin. The words are printed there for us also. Again, that's Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has set it up. She has set up its seven pillars. She's prepared her meal and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will walk, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Yet through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for the reading of your word. I pray that as we turn our attention to it this morning again, that you would, that your Holy Spirit would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us, that you give me words to speak, Lord, words of truth and wisdom this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I was preparing the message today. I was reflecting back over these past six months. It's been a very very strange, very difficult six months. And there's probably a lot that we've gone through that we've kind of forgotten about, right? Because there's so much that we've experienced that if we're, not, if we're not thinking about, we're not careful, we'll kind of forget what the early days of the pandemic were like. I remember when, when news started to, to trickle through that there was a potential you know, shutdown, that there might be stay-at-home orders, all that stuff. Uh, Allie and I talked and we needed, we knew we needed to go out and, and get some groceries, you know, not necessarily panic buying or anything like that, but, but we have kids and we thought, all right, we need to make sure we're stocked up on what we need and make sure that if there is a stay at home order, if grocery stores shut down, all that stuff we'll be able to provide for our family. And so one afternoon I, I went to Kroger and I actually had gone by myself. Allie was still, a, a, um, uh, in Salina at work at the time. And I, I went and, and picked up some groceries just like everybody else in the world had tried to do at the same time too, right? You, I'm sure some of you experienced this as well, going into Kroger, and there were just bare shelves like I'd never seen before. All of the, all of the staples were gone, right? There was, no, there was no meat, there was no pasta, there was no fruits and vegetables and bread, no milk. Uh, even the toilet paper was gone, right? We all remember that. But the interesting thing, though, as you walk through Kroger, all of those things were missing. If you had taken a detour down the candy aisle, 
or went down where the chips were located or the, or the pop, right? All of that stuff was still there, right? When people were worried, when people were stressed out about how they'd provide for their families or, or having enough to get them through the weeks or months to come, the last place they went was for the junk food, right? They, they went right for what was important. They went right for what provided sustenance and nutrition. And, and so those were the things that were gone, I reflected on that this week because the same is true for wisdom. Right? When times are difficult, when we face challenges, like we all have these past six months in a lot of different ways, the last thing we need is something, the last thing we need is empty calories. Right? The last thing we need are things that aren't real and true and important. Right? Em- those empty calories aren't going to cut it. We need the real thing, not a cheap substitute. Right? We'd have to be living under a rock to know that, to not know that we're facing difficult times as a nation. Perhaps now more than ever, we need the wisdom of God's word. We need his truth, his guidance, his wisdom, not conspiracy theories we find on Facebook and Twitter. We need to make wise decisions with the information we have at our disposal. Right? We need to, to ground ourselves in the wisdom that's found here in God's Word, not finding all of our information and basing our decisions on what we read on social media. Right? That's the junk food that we need to avoid. Facebook and Twitter and those sorts of things can provide a nice distraction every once in a while, but we shouldn't make it a habit of consuming them as our main meal. I share that with you, and we're looking at Proverbs 9 this morning because Proverbs 9 really is a pivotal chapter in the book of Proverbs. And I told you last week, we're not covering Proverbs from front to back. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to do that. It's not organized all that well to preach verse by verse through. We could, but we'd be here for a long, long time. But looking at the first nine chapters of Proverbs, there is a little bit of a structure there. And there is, uh, chapters 1 through 9 kind of serve as a long introduction to the wisdom and the sayings that are to follow. And there's a back and forth there. The whole book has been leading up to this point in chapter 9 because the first eight chapters describe two different uh, people, philosophies, however you want to look at it, viewpoints, in a variety of different ways. On the one hand, we have wisdom which is described often as, as the advice of a, of a parent to a child. In Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is described as, as the, um, excuse me, as the uh, agent. That's the word I was looking for, agent of creation itself. It was through wisdom that God established the foundations of this world. Folly, on the other hand, is often described as an adulterous woman who is seeking to, to tempt and to lead astray the simple-minded. And so now in chapter 9, all of those different images are coming to, to a head. They're coming to a culmination here in chapter 9. And it's presenting the decision for us to make. As the reader of Proverbs, we have a choice. Are we going to follow wisdom or are we going to follow, follow folly? Are we going to, both of them here are, are portrayed as women calling out to the simple-minded who are walking along the road. The stage is set, right? There's this, this really cool image in this chapter of, of a walkway, a pathway, a road, however you want to look at it. You can imagine walking down the center aisle, and on the one side, you have wisdom calling out and inviting people to come and join her. On the other side, you have folly and inviting them to come and turn aside to her house and her meal. Uh, 
Now, don't take offense if I pointed at this side for wisdom and this side for folly. That was not intentional or speaking of people sitting on that side of the sanctuary, but just happened to be the way I pointed this morning. But we are that person walking down that aisle. We are the person walking down the street. And we have competing voices calling for our attention. Wisdom on one side and folly on the other. And we have a choice then to make. Which way are we going to turn? See, this chapter really is is all about choices. Wisdom is about the choices that we make. Some people may think that if we just had the right information, if we just had the right amount of information and the right amount of time, that we would all make the right decision. But let me, let, me in on, let me let you in on something. It's not the case. Right? That's, not, that's not the case. We're not always going to make the right decision if we have the right information at our fingertips. And we don't need to look any further than ourselves in our own hearts and our own minds for proof of that. Right? If we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we've all done things and said things and we've thought things that we knew were wrong. Right In the moment, before we make the decision, we knew that's the wrong choice. We know that's the wrong decision to make, yet we still do it, don't we? That's the essence of our, of our sinful nature at work within us, and we all struggle with it, myself included. Right, The right answer, the correct path can be right in front of our face, and yet we still choose to do the wrong thing. And none other than the Apostle Paul understood that for himself. In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, he has this, uh, this, this awesome, it's almost like an internal monologue going on. And he, and he records it here in this letter to the Romans for our benefit. So again, that's Romans chapter 7, verses, beginning of verse 14. He's talking about the purpose of the law. And he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself that do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that it is my sinful nature. For I have the desire, right? I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. That is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I want, do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is, the sin, it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that, I, that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, and in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. I know the passage is a little confusing at times, right? Paul's kind of going back and forth in this inner monologue, but in the essence what he's saying is, I know the right thing to do. I know what God requires of me. Yet I still can't find myself doing the right thing. Even if I know what I'm supposed to do, I still do the wrong thing. And that's a struggle that we all face in our lives. That's the struggle that we all deal with when it comes to sin. Sin affects our relationship with God and how we interact with the world around us. Right? Sin is about the decisions we make. It's the behavior that we, that we put forth and how it affects other people too. 
Right? My sinful decisions have an effect on those around me. But notice here what Paul says too. Fixing the sin problem isn't about having the right information at our fingertips. He knew God's law and he knew the difference between right and wrong. And so it's not about having the right information. It's about being transformed from the inside out. It's about allowing God's spirit to, to work in our hearts and our minds and help us to be more like Christ. It's, it's a rescue mission if you want to think about it that way. And it's interesting. If you think about uh, our, our nation's history, right? We are, we are a democracy and, 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 and the founding fathers and others at that time uh, believed democracy was, although it was, was a new idea and hadn't been practiced in, in this way before, right? That's why they call it the American experiment. But they saw it as a very important thing for our country. And the reason for that isn't because they thought that we were all inherently good people who always made the right choices, in fact, democracy is so important. Is be, the reason why democracy is so important is because, because we are not inherently good people all the time. That, that we don't always make the right decision. And so to give one person or a small group of people absolute and ultimate authority and power was a very dangerous thing. And so, so democracy is so, so important and it works so well under the right conditions because, because it's a series of checks and balances to help keep us all as a whole going in the right direction. It's not because we will all always make the right decision. It's because democracy is necessary because people are inherently bad and can't always be trusted with absolute power and authority. And so democracy provides that for us. It's, it helps us so that we hopefully as a nation, as a group of people, can make good and wise decisions moving forward. Again, that's wisdom. Wisdom is about our choices. It's about how we interact with the world around us and the information that we have, the knowledge that we have. We also need to recognize that not deciding to act, that no decision is a decision in itself. To not decide to follow wisdom is to embrace folly. The simple-minded are, that, that are referenced here in this passage and throughout Proverbs are, are, are uncommitted in either direction. But the book of Proverbs lumps them together with fools, the mockers, and the wicked until they decide to embrace wisdom guide, wisdom's guidance. And so the simple-minded need to make a decision. We need to make a decision. Are we going to live for Christ? Are we going to live wisely? Or are we going to reject wisdom's call? See, Jesus didn't leave, a whole lot of, didn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room there either in his own ministry. He didn't really leave a third option for people to follow. It was either take up your cross and follow me or, or reject him outright. We, we tried in, in today's world to look back on the teachings of Jesus and think, well, you know, maybe he was just a good guy and he had some really good things to say, but I'm not ready to accept all of that, you know, I am God stuff that he also talked about. But Jesus doesn't leave us that room. In fact, there's one story in John chapter 6 where this comes to the surface. He had a particularly hard teaching that afternoon, and many people who had been following him began to leave. And so he turns to his disciples and he asks them, Are you going to leave me too? And that's when Peter, who was always the first one to speak out, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's a really pivotal moment in the Gospel of John where, where Peter, representing the disciples as a whole, 
recognize that Jesus is the true source of life, that Jesus is the true source of wisdom, that he alone has those words of life. And so they choose to follow him. See, Jesus himself is our wisdom. Wisdom is often portrayed as a woman throughout the book of Proverbs, but looking at the book as a whole and taking all of Scripture into account, it's obvious that wisdom, the wisdom described in Proverbs is the wisdom of Christ. He is the ultimate source of it. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we, we see that spelled out for us more clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you once were called. Think of you, excuse me, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so to choose wisdom, to follow the way of wisdom, is, is really to follow Christ. To choose to put him first in our lives. And it's a decision that we need to make for ourselves. Right? We can't, nobody can choose wisdom for you. Right? Trust me, there are many parents who wish they could choose wisdom for their kids. There's even some people out there that wish they could choose wisdom for their spouses, right? But you can't choose that for another person. It's a decision you must make on your own. And you can't depend on the wisdom of others as well. Our choices reveal our character. And at some point, you know, we must make that decision for ourselves. It's like talking about faith, right? Talking more clearly about faith. You know, for a while, maybe you can kind of depend and, and follow on the coattails of your parents or your pastor or your youth pastor. But at some point in your life, you need to come to a point to make that decision for yourself to trust Jesus with your life, to choose to follow him. Right? That's a decision we all have to make on our own, to give our lives to Christ, to be born again. It's a personal decision that's in front of us, and it's a, the decision between wisdom and folly. These 18 verses of Proverbs 9 are, are kind of split into three different groups of verses. And in verses 1 through 6 and verses 13 through 18, they mirror each other. One is wisdom's invitation and the other is folly. And it's interesting to note the similarities, but also the very stark contrast between their invitations. In fact, the words of the invitation are practically identical. If you look at verse 4 and verse 16, they both call out, Let all who are simple come to my house. See, on the surface level, folly and foolishness can, can often be mistaken for wisdom. It may seem wise in the moment to make a certain decision. But once you arrive, the differences become glaringly obvious. And so what are those differences? First, we see that wisdom has built her house on a strong foundation, and it is spacious. There's plenty of room for everyone. Folly is lazy and has done nothing to prepare for her guests. She just sits in the doorway and calls out to the passers-by. And she's even portrayed as lazy and simple-minded herself. Right? Folly promises what she can't deliver. She's trying to per persuade the simple to join her, but, but she's simple herself. She has nothing real of substance to offer those who come her way. 
Wisdom sends out her servants to bring in the guests. Folly never leaves the doorway. She doesn't seek anyone out. It's more like she's lying in wait, ready to deceive and distract anyone who wanders too close. Wisdom offers a meal of meat and wine, while folly only offers bread and water. Right? It's similar to... It's, it's, it's going back to that idea of, of what we stocked up on in the beginning of the pandemic. Or do we want something of, of substance, something that's really real and meaningful? Or are we going to fill ourselves with empty calories? Why would we want to eat bread and water when we can have a nice steak dinner instead? And the invitation to a meal is the invitation to know God through Christ. Isaiah 55 says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. So this invitation to come and eat is an invitation to fellowship. It's an invitation to a relationship with the source of wisdom who is ultimately God. But stolen water is sweet, Folly says. Right, there's truth to that statement. Right? Folly here is talking about sin. Sin is enticing, and that's the problem with it. Right? There's an allure, an attraction. We know it's wrong, yet we find ourselves doing it anyway. And the problem is that sin disguises its consequences. It seems sweet on the surface, but it ultimately leads to death. And those who heed folly's call will find themselves in the realm of the dead. And they won't realize their mistake until it's too late. By contrast, wisdom offers life to those who heed her call. We see that in verses 12 through 13. Wisdom will add years to their life. Same invitation, but different destinations. On the surface, both wisdom and folly seem to be offering the same thing, but their consequences are obviously different. One leads to death, while the other leads to life. And that's what... And that's where we need to, need to focus our attention here. And that's the decision that we need to make. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk, about, we're going to talk more about what a wise person looks like and, and how that plays out in a person's life. But, but before we can get to that point, we need to recognize the decision that's before us. And we need to recognize our part in that. Right? As I talked before, our sinful nature has, has really blinded us in a lot of ways. And it's created this, this struggle that, that even though we know the right thing to do, we don't always do it, right? That's the nature of our, of our sinfulness, that even when we know the right thing, we have a very difficult time making the right decision. And so we need someone, we need something to help us, right? And it's not about just having more information. It's not about just being presented with more choices. What we need is someone to come and rescue us and show us what true wisdom looks like. And the person who did that for us is, of course, God's own son, Jesus. That he is the wisdom that we need. Proverbs 9 uses the term to turn aside, to turn towards wisdom or turn towards folly. And that offers a great picture of what biblical repentance is all about. We need to recognize the foolishness that lives within our own hearts and turn to Christ. And it's not something we can do on our own. What we need is we need God to to perform a heart transplant, right? To, to remove the heart of stone that, was, that is within us that will time and time again choose folly and ask him to put a heart of flesh in us that can follow Christ and see the goodness of God on display in him. 
And it begins with repentance. It begins with recognizing our own foolishness, our own simple-mindedness, and turning away from it and turning towards Christ. Hear the invitation of Lady Wisdom. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Because biblical repentance is not about just turning away from what is bad and what is evil and what is wrong, but it's about turning towards, excuse me, turning away from those things and turning towards Christ. I want to close with a quote from a famous pastor, C.H. Spurgeon. He was reflecting on 1 Timothy 1.15, which says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And this is what he said, and these are the words I want to close with this morning. The gate of mercy is open, and over the door is written, This is a faithful saying worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Between the word save and the next word sinners, there is no adjective. It does not say penitent sinners, awakened sinners, sensible sinners, grieving sinners, or alarmed sinners. No, it only says sinners. And know this, that when I come, I come to Christ today. I dare not come as a conscious sinner or an awakened sinner, but I have to come still as a sinner and with nothing in my hands. That's the invitation that's before us, to come to Christ just as we are and receive the grace and forgiveness and in doing so be able to live wisely in the future. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given it to us, Lord, to help us to, to know you and to live wisely. Lord, to, to, to accept your invitation, to accept wisdom's invitation is to accept you, Lord Jesus, as our Savior and Lord. And so I pray that you would help us to do that this morning, to turn away from our foolishness, our simple-mindedness, and turn to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you to stand with us and sing number two, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.